Welcome to the H&H Hour. I am Heidi Bolt. I'm here with my co-host Heather Taves and it is stunningly, amazingly beautiful outside. So I wish we could podcast outside, Heather. I know. All those birds though would take all of our airspace. Oh, but it would be a beautiful sound effect. I know. I also feel like we made a promise to each other we weren't going to talk about the weather. We haven't talked about the weather for a long time. <laughs> and my daughter said this morning, she's two and a half, she said, it is lovely outside. It is. It is. So shout always, out to this lovely weather. I always go through that stage where the people in the South have, the flowers are blooming and spring is happening like a month before ours yeah. happens. And I'm like, I hate all of you. <laughs> but we can have it here end? now. So the people in the North can hate us. So we have a guest in studio and he was just saying mm-hmm. that he himself feels better when the sun is shining and it's nice out. And I agree I know. wholeheartedly. I agree. So yes, welcome to the H&H Hour. If you're new, um, Heather and I are so glad you tuned in. Yeah. And we're excited that you tuned into this episode because I think there's something for you mm-hmm. and I think you're going to be really encouraged in this show. You always know it's going to be a good show when you wish you would have hit record when your guests sat down in their chair yeah. because they started talking and you're like, Oh, say that again. Yes. So it's going to be really fun. But Heidi, if this is someone, somebody's first time, mm-hmm. the point of the show is, and we don't talk about this as much because we don't ask those two questions anymore, mm-hmm. but I want to For remind now. people that the point of this show is that ordinary is extraordinary. That's right. That it is often the ordinary things in life mm-hmm. that God uses in our lives as extraordinary things. That's you know, right. we, we tend to overlook them because we think it has to be this big thing for it to be extraordinary, but it's often the very smallest things in our lives that have the most, pack the most punch. That's right. The smallest things are the biggest things. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So sometimes Heather and I chat, just Mm -hmm. the two of us, and then sometimes we have a guest in studio, and today we have a guest. Mm -hmm. So I would love to jump in and welcome to the show, Seth Major. Hi, Seth. Hi. So happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So you were loving this weather too. It's giving me life. Um, yeah, I, and we, we had talked about it. People get a little bit happier, right? When the weather's a little bit nicer. And so especially where we live in the nation, sunshine is good. So, so good. And we had a lot of snow this year. We did. And mm-hmm. I was talking with someone earlier today. He had said, I'm glad the sun is out because I feel like we heard too many times over the winter that there were life-threatening temperatures outside. Right. <laughs> like over <laughs> a four, a three and a half, four month period of time, probably a half a dozen times we heard, if you go outside, you'll freeze and maybe die. You will like die. That is so true. <laughs> and hopefully we don't have to hear that. So we're like, the sun. <laughs> yeah. There's it's no, there's so no true. threat on life now, <laughs> which is good. That's hilarious. You mentioned that. I have a really good friend who had a baby in the middle of all of those life-threatening temperatures, and she was desperate for a date night with her man. And I said, "I'll babysit." So she texts me the night I was supposed to babysit, and she's like, "Am I a bad mom if I'm contemplating bundling my baby up in negative twenty-degree weather?" Yeah. And going a date night, and I was like, uh, "Let's rain check it." <laughs> Yeah. We rain-checked it. Until now. Right? So here Until we are now. in yeah. spring all yes. as well. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. This is very exciting. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, fill us in a little bit on who is Seth. Mm. That's deeply philosophical, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You can say whatever you want. Oh, the, <laughs> the, the, the comic in me wants to say that Seth is Adam and Eve's third son, which is true. <laughs> it is But true. that's not who I am. Um, so <laughs> I... Um, find myself being a husband and a pastor. Those are kind of the two, the two big ones. So I've been married to my wife for, uh, it'll be four years this coming June. Tell us her name. Her name's Ty. 
Oh, and she's lovely. That's cute. Ty. Yeah. Yes. It's fun. Yes. Is that her full name? It's her full name, and it's Is it it's na- spelled T A I. That's really cute. It, it it's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. All of the pregnant mommies are writing that down right now. Mm-hmm. For yeah, if mm-hmm. if you have a baby girl coming up, mm-hmm. Ty's the name. I love it. It's the name of the <laughs> of the year. <laughs> um, and uh, we met in college. We both attended Olivet Nazarene University. Yeah. Shout out to the Tigers there in Bourbonnais. <laughs> and I, part of my story, and I share this when someone asks about me, but I went to college to be in sports television. So ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut was where I wanted to be. Okay. Which would have not been helpful with the weather. <laughs> it would have been a bit <laughs> colder there than even here. Um, and went on a mission trip to Haiti. This would have been my junior year in college, which was 2012. And it rocked my world. And it was during that week where I pretty much traded in my, the dreams I had for myself to exploring dreams that maybe God had for me. Wow. And what that after a couple of years of discerning that resulted in uh, vocational ministry. So what happened in Haiti that, that changed all of that? Yeah. So for me personally, first mm-hmm. time out of the country besides Canada, mm-hmm. first time seeing really what does it is that level of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, Haiti being one of the poorest countries on the planet. Mm-hmm. And with them... Uh, this so 2012 was when I went. 2010 was the massive earthquake, mm-hmm. and it still has effects on it ten years later. Mm-hmm. Let alone two years later when I was there. Right. And the thing that astounded me was when we went to different churches, mm-hmm. is that people were praising God perhaps a little bit more passionately than I had ever seen yeah. in America. Right. Yeah. And so. What I felt like God was inviting me to in that moment was being part of really a global movement. Mm -hmm. I had not seen outside of a video in church that God existed in other places. And so that was really compelling to me. Wow. And I have to share one quick story. Do. It's my best story that I have. (laughs) So we went to an orphanage uh, just on one afternoon, just to hear from the people who ran the orphanage and learned of the different things that they had to uh, minister and things like that. And um, we all ended up kind of getting uh, paired off with an or I don't know if this sounds weird, but we were just dedicated our individual energies to one orphan and played mm-hmm. with them and walked them around and just loved on them, even for a few hours. Yeah. And... Uh, the, the, I, I had had a, an orphan that I was with for the day and it was a great day. And then we came back and we kept living life. So a year after that mission trip, my wife and I were at a random church talking about Haiti because the children's ministry was doing a missions curriculum thing. Mm -hmm. And so Haiti was the week, the children's pastor of the church here in central Illinois, um, knew that 
we had gone to Haiti. My wife ended up going to Haiti on a different trip. Wow. So we had both been to Haiti in about a year span. And the children's pastor said, can you come talk about Haiti? And so we did, and we showed pictures. And I showed this picture of me holding this orphan. A couple years go by after that. So this actually brings us to August of 2017. I get a Facebook message from a lady who ended up adopting that no way little precious boy who lives in central Illinois and like I see him on occasion what and we could we could spend an hour to talk and perhaps another day we could talk that is incredible about some of the grand narratives that God weaves together but wow just an absolutely earth-moving thing wow and I didn't know that that was going to come back even years after that trip, right? Right. But yeah. there is a uh, reminder of that trip that lives 15 minutes from my house. That is amazing. Uh, really remarkable. So as you could expect, although I didn't know that specific thing was going to happen, that was a really huge week for me. Yeah, I bet. And coming back as a junior in co- a second semester junior in college, a little bit too late to change majors. And mm-hmm. so finished and earned a degree in TV video production, hmm. and then stayed and got a master's in Christian ministry. And it was during that time that uh, I was offered a position in youth ministry and then associate ministry. And then that's kind of led us here to Peoria Very to cool. do some things that I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But. That's really cool. My family and I went to Haiti this past January. Yes. And we took our 12 and 9-year-old. And that was the thing that they said. that More than like the poverty was a lot for them to take in, obviously, and I think impacted them. But the thing that stood out to them the most was that everyone seemed so happy despite what they appeared to not have. And my nine-year-old picked up on that. And it's all nonverbal communication, right? Yes. Because there's a language barrier there. Yes. But yeah, to see on the surface people having so little and at the same exact time to see on the surface – People being so cheerful. That's right. That'll mess with a nine-year-old, uh-huh. a yeah. college student, an adult. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, ch- it changes Yeah, how you view the Lord and the work of God in this, well, on this earth. And talk about a spirit of contentment. Yeah. You know, oh, where yeah. God's got you and finding that contentment and that joy in what you're doing, that's kind of convicting. It is. Yeah. It is. So then how long after college did you and your wife get married? Yes. So I, she graduated from her undergrad the same time I graduated from my master's, which was 2015. And we got married like a month after that, (laughs) which is not the most uncommon thing, at least at the university we went to. Uh, There are a lot of wedding, there are a lot of Olivet weddings Uh (laughs) that happen the week after graduation for like the next summer. So we were those people. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, Getting away from your story for just a moment, mm. Heidi and I have been convicted, I guess would probably be the right word, lately that we don't have enough fun in our lives. <laughs> We're both very productive people, you know, mm. always striving, doing the next thing, doing more, pushing harder. So we were like, we need to have more fun. Mm-hmm. So we want to know from you, our yes. guests, what do you do for fun? What's the most fun you've had recently? Goodness. I find myself falling in love with 
the city that we all currently live in. Mm. Uh, my wife and I are newer to the city. I want to tell you the most fun I've had in a long time. Not okay. even recently, but tell a us. long time. So Peoria Manual High School is one of the high schools we have here in Peoria. And the church that um, I serve as pastor of is in a neighborhood, and any of the kids who live in that neighborhood feed into Manual High School. Yeah. Tell us the name of your church. Uh, name of the church is Reachway Church, yes. and we're a new church in an old building. Yes, and love we're, that. We're having fun. Yes, we're Cheering having fun in Peoria. And so my wife and I thought this was back in basketball season. Let's go to a game and just get to know potentially our neighbors and, yeah. and things like that. And had a really good time. And invited some friends to come with to the next one and went to a few more and had a really good time. Well, it ends up that they make the regional tournament and keep winning. <laughs> and <laughs> they didn't, no one was expecting them to do, I mean, you you rank high school teams and right. they have talent and things like that. But these young men at Manual High School just refused to quit. They ended up making the state tournament, which is held here in Peoria. Yeah. And they came in fourth in state. That's amazing. And the last, the whole winter basketball season was a, was a blast. Yeah. It was a total blast. Ugh. So, but that does feed in. I, I really love the, the, the sports guy in me yeah. is still there. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, a, a local baseball game or a high yeah. school game of any kind and, I, there's not a documentary I won't watch on Netflix or Hulu. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and that's then, how I have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, and then our college basketball team made it to, to the Sweet 16. Brad, Bradley. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. they made it to the, uh, Was it the, the first, the, the, the national first tournament. The national yeah. tournament. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun. I could totally see the sports guy in you, like down the road. You're going to be the guy showing up at the high school game with face paint, aren't you? If that's socially <laughs> acceptable in, 10, in 20 years, yeah. yeah. And that was one of the cooler things about showing up to all these home games is we're making friends with the grandmas, mm -hmm. right? And the teachers and stuff like that. And That's awesome. It's just a really easy way to get plugged in with you never know. Yeah. You, you'll never know who you'll meet in the bleachers. Yeah. So I love that. One thing I love about you, Seth, is that you um, you really do have a passion for the place God's called you to. Mm. So much so that didn't you guys just buy a home so that you could be in the community with the people you're reaching? Yes. So my wife and I are here in Peoria because we were commissioned to plant a church in Peoria, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And that's why we moved here in July of 2017. So it's been about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know where in the city the church would be. We didn't know if we'd be renting space. You, you, you don't know what that looks like. Right. And we ended up having an, an incredible opportunity to plant in an existing church facility, which is in a very specific neighborhood in Peoria. We do have a couple distinct neighborhoods. And mm -hmm. as soon as we knew that that's where Reachway would be, we knew we wanted to be as incarnational as possible. Mm -hmm. And so we did just recently, and when I say we, it's it's the church, mm -hmm. purchased a home for my wife and I to live in mm -hmm. to um, 
just continue to spur on the local church's mission in the neighborhood. That's so cool. And uh, we closed two weeks ago, and it is a beautiful home built in 1920. Mm-hmm. It's been well cared for, mm-hmm. and it has all of the Joanna Gaines things, but they're original to the building. <laughs> and, and we don't have to, the, the, the trends that are coming back are, they've been there for a hundred years. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we're excited. No DIY. <laughs> yeah. None needed. It's got the crown molding. It's got all the, the good things. So that is something we could not be more thrilled about. Mm. And it has a front porch and a porch mm. swing and just all of the really beautiful things that some people would like and that's us so well i love we've been talking to you for 16 ish minutes now and you've mentioned two or three times that you love peoria goodness and your shirt my shirt says love Love peoria Peoria. and i just i find that so intriguing because we too love peoria Mm -hmm. and we feel our heartbeats for this city and we feel that we're here for a purpose and we're here to be a part of the city but you came here you're not from here correct? correct yeah so Tell me, one, why do you love Peoria? And as a somewhat of an outsider until recently, what was it that drew you here? So I take this, for, for me, there's two sides of that coin. Okay. One side is theologically. I think, I think there's a theology that's not talked enough about, about the importance of place, mm-hmm. an actual geographic mm-hmm. positioning and dirt, right? And... As soon as we moved to Peoria, um, we asked God to give us eyes and a heart mm-hmm. for this place mm-hmm. and the people that live here. Yeah. And he's done that because he's faithful. Yes. And, and that's just that. Yes. The other side of that coin is kind of where my, my growing up was very diverse. I grew up in one of the Chicago suburbs. Okay. And people from all walks of life found themselves in one of the dozens of 80,000 person suburbs that are up there. And diversity has always been something that I've been used to, but then has fed me as a person. And as we were praying about moving here, we had visited uh, just to see it with our own eyes Mm -hmm. and immediately recognized the diversity that exists here in Peoria. When When I condense down why I love Peoria, What I say is, it is a place where anyone from any walk of life can have a life. Mm. There are, you just look at it from the different perspectives. There's jobs of all kinds in Peoria. Mm -hmm. There is housing of all different costs and needs, depending on families. Mm -hmm. The opportunities are there for the youngest to the oldest. Doesn't matter what country you're from. Doesn't matter your income bracket as well. And I, I think that we would agree that's probably the biggest kingdom picture that you could yeah. could capture, right, yeah. is that everyone belongs. Yeah. yeah. And I really do feel like everyone belongs in Peoria yeah. and or could belong if they don't yet. Yes. But yeah, we also have the coffee shops and we have the sporting things and we have different things for families to do. But those are even better when everyone can do them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we have going right now. Yeah, I love to hear you say that. And I think what you said about really being where you are and be and loving it is so crucial. And I'm not sure enough people do that. Mm. Like 
really be invested in the place where you are. Maybe you're only there for a, a short season, but be there mm. and be invested in it. Don't be wishing you could be somewhere else mm. or hoping you could be somewhere else. Like be where you are. I love that so much. And I also love that God is bringing people in with outside perspective into our city. Mm. I'm from here. My husband is not. He's from Canada. You're not. Mm. You know, the one of my mentors is not. He's from England. Like there, we have this this group of people that God is bringing in from the outside to sort of remind those of us that are from here, like mm-hmm. this is a special place. And yeah. I think that's intentional. And that is happening. Um, I'm meeting more people that have lived here for five years or less hmm. who are absolutely in love with this place. Yes. And on the other end of the spectrum, I've met people who've lived here for maybe 30 or 40 years or more. And there's, it's not negativity, it's just apathy. Exactly. It's just a neutral, eh, I live in Peoria. Yes. And just like you had said, Heather, Mm -hmm. there are people moving here that are saying almost, you telling me this has been here this whole time? Like, it's almost like a hidden secret, right? Totally. Just like tucked in the middle of Illinois. Totally. That's how I see it. And so. I um, love that so much. I like that just makes me so thrilled for the future of this area and in this city. Yeah. I was in Chicago recently and I was speaking to a woman and she said, oh, you're from Peoria? I said, yeah. She said, I love your city. I said, really? Tell me why. And she said, sometimes if I need a break from the busyness and the craziness, I drive down to Peoria to find peace. She said that just there's, she said, there's just a peacefulness about your city that I find so compelling. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. You, know, you often hear people talking about like going to Chicago or going there. And she said, I just love, she's like, you've got great food. She's like, everybody's friendly. And, you know, this is a woman that I did not know. She did not have to say nice things about my city. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, what a good picture of her perspective of this is a place of peace. Yeah. I loved that. And yeah. don't you think that doesn't matter, it doesn't have to be Peoria. It doesn't matter where you live. Mm-hmm. Our perspective on where we live is what's important. Absolutely. Like you can live in, you know, some small town in Texas yeah. and be able to have the same love for your small town in Texas. That, Well, I think one thing you said is so important. You said we asked God yeah. to give us eyes for this place yeah. and a love for this place. Yeah. So, man, if someone's listening and you they are struggling with their place, yeah, I love that. Ask the Lord to give you that heart for where he's put you. This is where love your neighbor as yourself really can come to life. Mm. And we do worship a God that helps us in our areas of need. Yeah. If we seek those, if, if, if we seek the help, right? Yes. We ask. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. If you're listening and maybe you're struggling with apathy mm-hmm. and maybe you are fighting back against some not so nice things about very specifically where you are mm-hmm. geographically in life, ask God for the help yeah. because who has better eyes than him? That's so good. his creation. That's so yeah. good. And so I, I think that's, I know that's a prayer he's answered because he's done it for us and, and he's doing it for others. Yeah. So funny story, Seth, you and I met yes. at the Peoria Dream Center. We did. And we actually recently interviewed Andy King. Yes. Who is the director, right? Yeah. The he's director he's the our Center? executive director. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, and he's a longtime friend of ours. So, um, but the funny thing is you came to a meeting at my house recently and I did not, I knew the person that was going to be coming. I knew he was bringing a staff member. You show up my door 
and we instantly crack up because we had met. Yes. So we had met at the Dream Center at a poverty simulation. Correct. And you were you, in the simulation. You were my dad. I was. And I was your seven-year-old daughter. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Or were you the grandpa? You were the dad. I was a male caregiver. I know that. Whether yeah. it was grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. So you show up at the door and the poor guy with you. I'm like, hey, dad. And he's just like, what? Yes. 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 <laughs> poor the, guy. The, the Dream Center is bringing people together. Yeah. Which is fun. So. I love it. So that was just a funny moment. But yes. So you're in all facets of ministry. Well, from letting people swing on your front porch and doing ministry there to high school basketball games to church as a pastor to you also work and serve at the Dream Center. Correct, yeah. You mentioned to me that you have been kind of working through the tension of calling, provision. Yeah. You know, all of it. Talk to us about that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so it would have been this time three years ago that the first person in our life said, what about church planting? Hmm. And... When you say yes to something that really doesn't have even a skeleton around it, let alone flesh and muscles and things like that, that's when you enter into a world of needing things to be provided for you that uh, maybe you weren't in before. Yeah. I would say most recent, and I could, we, we all have dozens of things of where we can show God's hand. I, I would say most recently, you mentioned earlier that we we're actually moving to this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a really trying time for us. Um, you're, we're, we're having a conversation out of pretty in, interesting last three and a half months for my wife and I. Mm -hmm. The particular neighborhood that we're moving to in Peoria is called the North Valley or the near north side. Mm -hmm. And right now, if you wanted to buy a home, it's most likely going to look like a foreclosed home. Yeah. It is over the last 40 years been a neglected neighborhood. Mm. And we're seeing this all over the nation. Um, these these kind of the, these little neighborhoods that exist right outside of urban centers. Mm. A lot of times it's south sides of yeah. cities. It yeah. just seems to be how it, how it's been yeah. for whether it's Chicago or Peoria or Rockford as well. And this neighborhood would be like that. Not a lot for sale, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot foreclosed on. Interesting. But this one house that the church ended up acquiring went up for sale in November. And we instantly put an offer on it, that which did not get accepted mm -hmm. right away. And we knew we were called to live down there. Mm -hmm. We also knew that we were probably... Two of maybe five people on planet Earth that want to move into that neighborhood. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so why didn't our very first offer on the home get immediately accepted? Interesting. And we had to really battle against where really is our yes here? Because mm. we thought it was enough to say, God, we want to move into the neighborhood. We thought that was enough. Yeah. Saying yes to that particular calling. But three and a half months go by, and I'm sure someone's listening who's been through home negotiations before. Yeah. Whether it's buying or selling or both. And this was a first for my wife and I, and mm -hmm. it was tense. 
and it's it's money that the church is investing. We're not even technically using our own finances. It's a decision the church has made, yeah. and it was still very stressful. Yeah. And we were about three months into this whole thing. Little did I know we were two weeks away from getting an accepted offer. Mm. Huh. However, we were two weeks away from that about three months away from our first offer. And we had gone back and forth a few times and I am having a angry King David Psalm moment. (laughs) And I don't have those a ton. Maybe, maybe I do need to have them a little bit more. I don't know, but I was alone in my house and verbally like out loud audibly saying like god why haven't you just made this happen yet Hmm. we know you're calling us and we've said yes to this and i sit down and personally i work through the scriptures a couple of different books at the same time Uh, generally it's one book from the old testament and one book from the new Mm -hmm. and at the time I was working, my Old Testament book was Genesis. Mm. And it had been a few weeks just because I was really getting captivated by where I was in the New Testament. And I opened up to Abraham and Isaac at the altar. Mm. And a lot of us know what that story is. I knew what that story was all about. And I started reading about the first, I was four verses in and then I just started breaking down crying Mm. because this is the story where a father, Abraham gets this calling from God to go take his son to an altar and altars generally end with a death, right? And he does it and he gets to the point where he has his son tied up on this altar and the scriptures tell us that the sword is raised yeah and then instantly god draws abraham's eyes to a ram and god says man abraham you have said yes to what i have called you to do use that ram instead and and we're gonna let your son son out of this position so for us that reframed you know you're called but what is your actual yes? And for us, what my wife and I had to work through was we cannot let something like money halt this calling. Because at the time, the only thing that was keeping us from buying this home was a disagreed on price. And so like we were there, we're ready to pack up the boxes and go, but it's where would we go? And price was the thing keeping us there. And so what we needed to work through as a couple was, no, we will put our own funds towards this if that's what is needed. And we had made that yes as a couple and put that before the Lord. And about a week and a half later, our realtor called us and said, hey, they want to, they want to accept your offer. Wow. Hmm. So it's, it's been purchased by the church. And we have learned kind of a new thing about, like you had said, Heidi, calling and provision. Mm-hmm. We, we knew what we were called to do and we said what we thought was going to be yes. And by the numbers, we thought that our yes was going to translate 
into about a $30,000 swing. And that's just not how it ended up happening. Yeah. Um, so our, our yes needed to look different. And the provision, we still think God has provided in this season. Yeah. I think what he's also provided is a new seed of faith that we wouldn't have had. Yeah. If um, things just kind of went a little bit more smoothly and, and mm-hmm. as we would have written it. I was going to say the same thing. I bet for you and your wife to come to that place of finding that unity of what what do we know we are called to? And one, fighting from a position of unity for the call God had on your life as a couple. And then two, being willing to do some hard work to carry out the call of God. Yeah. That's really bold of you. And that's very brave. And luckily... Well, maybe not luckily. I think the reason that we're in the spot we're in now is because what has what God has already done in our lives. Mm. There was there was a couple really dry seasons that we've experienced, even early on in ministry. And those are refining moments. And at the time you have no idea why they're happening. What we actually found ourselves doing was drawing back on a lot of those stories that we do have yeah. of some of the things God was doing in our lives two years ago, four years ago. Remembering his faithfulness. Yeah. So good. At the very beginning of this, actually before we hit record, you talked about this generation um, of people who are so ambitious. Can we have that conversation? Because I thought that was so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about um, something that, how there are people that are fired up right now to do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on the surface, that's very good. Yes. What we're also seeing unfold before us is the lack of faithfulness and sustainability. Mm. I think people are getting tripped up on them being convinced that they're laser focused in on the goal. Mm Mm-hmm on the ambition, on the aim. Yes. And they have gotten themselves to a place where they feel like this is exactly what God has called me to do. Mm-hmm. And then we attach our own timeline to it. I don't think Moses would have picked 40 years. Probably not. But we we attach our own timelines to things. And when things don't unfold like we think they're supposed to, I mean... We all see it. We we see people go as far as to just lose their faith. Yes. And I think that there is space for a conversation to be had about how do you respond when things don't go the way that you think they're supposed to go, which is even just to say that out loud is is kind of like no duh and trivial. Yeah. But here's the thing. People are quitting left and right. Yeah, it's true. And people are bowing out of ambitious things left and right. Yeah. And we can't just necessarily watch ambition run its course without being people who are willing to have a conversation and say, God has given you that ambition, Mm -hmm. but he has also given you his presence, which is going to be there whether that thing happens or not. Yeah, that's right. And I don't think we're talking enough about that Um, and encouraging 
perhaps younger. I, I thought I had had ambition. I'm 27. I'm seeing 17 and 18 year olds right now in this city mm-hmm. that have goals. Yeah. And I love that. Mm-hmm. But life doesn't really start honestly, right? Until we're like 25, like, come on, like yeah. be old enough to rent a car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, and then go for it. Yeah. Social media is a killer Yeah. because you can log on to anything and see the 19 year old that's a millionaire in Dakota. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see everything you want to see. Yeah. When I open up the word, when I feel like I'm most connecting with God, it's in moments where I'm being encouraged to breathe, to be still, Mm -hmm. to wait patiently. Those are very interesting things to say in the conversation of ambition. Yes. And it's something that hits me as a church planter myself. It's something that hits me as, I think, being being in ministry in general. I know you would both agree that things are always seem to be starting. Yeah on sometimes smaller scales or bigger scales and uh even something little like having a blog or having a podcast like something that needs to be maintained yeah it takes a lot and uh and you all know this we just talked about this and yes that i think there's a lot going on there so what do you think needs to change because we I don't want anyone to sit here and hear us say, and I don't, I don't think this is what you said, but ambition is wrong. It's, it's awesome. It's what drives justice ministries, you know, social justice ministries. And it's what drives those of us who set up and tear down for a church every week. And it's what drives, uh, you know, the next invention and all of those things. So what is missing between ambition and faithfulness? It's where your faith is. Two verses jump out at me. One is where Jesus says himself, I will build my church. Mm. And another is when Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Mm. Both of those passages communicate that when it is all said and done, it's God who is moving the needle. Mm. We can set goals for ourselves that do not fall in line with God's will. And I think what is missing between ambition and faithfulness is understanding that we are a part of a grander narrative than our life cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that we both do and do not know about that happened 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and somehow, some way, we are in that stream. We are yeah. in that grand narrative. Yeah. That includes Abraham and Isaac. That's that, right. that includes Moses. That includes Christ and the disciples. And what we want to, what we need to be able to want to see is people walking with God. Yeah. I'm talking walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. Mm. Like, first page stuff. Yeah, I'm talking about Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? Walk humbly with your God. Yes. Choose justice. Yes. You open up the Sermon on the Mount, 
And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think we often look at a God who has a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. And there's some, there's some theological debates that can take place in this conversation. But when we find ourselves in a position where we're so convinced that God has called us to do something that we think that we are being disobedient if it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. We will take our life into our own hands, Mm -hmm. which is where it does not belong. And we will often make mistakes or burn bridges or take shortcuts that we should have never taken. Mm -hmm. And that is unfaithfulness. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the fruit of unfaithfulness is failure. Mm. And it's taking two steps back and not a step forward. And so the faithfulness piece needs to come into that there's a God that is calling me to good things, yes, Mm. but he's calling me to very specific things today. And perhaps that's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I, Yeah. um, I, I I think that's a piece of it. Yeah, I love that. I think that the words that come to my mind as you're talking are less striving and more resting. This is not supposed to be hard. No. There, this, this is not supposed to be burdensome. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus speaks to this. Yeah. If you're walking with me, my burden is light. Yes. That is supposed to be how it's supposed to be. That's right. right. Don't you find, though, that when you, so you're a pastor, I'm sure you sit in counseling appointments. That kind of conversation, though, doesn't get the highlight reel, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't get the applause. It doesn't get the following. It doesn't get all of the things that society so values and that a lot of people value. So as you're talking about those first page, old school, if you will, belief systems, those aren't the things being celebrated. Because people want a quick fix. That's right. They That's want right. a microwave world. Two-day shipping. Yes. That's kind of a phrase I say to communicate yes. where our world is. That's right. It's free two-day shipping. Yeah. Faithfulness and steadfastness mm. is not what Hollywood is talking about mm-hmm. right yeah. now. Yeah. It's not what a lot of the church is talking about either. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's it's look what I'm doing now or did yesterday. Yeah with the fear that there's going to be something new tomorrow that's going to be better than what I'm doing. Right. So you've got to hear about it right now. Yeah. Well, because people don't want to hear the counsel, hey, be faithful where you're at. And then when you are content, God will open the next door. They don't like that. No, they don't. Because they want something that's tangible and now. That's interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen, sister. <laughs> okay, let's talk about your marriage. Oh, yes. Okay. So you I guys like how have... I just lit up. I know. <laughs> how long have you been married? Three and a half, well, a little over three and a half years. Okay. We're about two months away from our four-year anniversary. Okay. What's your favorite thing about being married? I would say there are constant reminders that this was God's idea. Hmm. There are constant reminders that we're not supposed to do life alone. God has blessed my wife and I with the opportunity for that type of community to take place within a marriage, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and these are good things. Um, I think one of my favorite parts about being married right now is there's another person on planet Earth that really has the same interests as me. 
and I don't know if that sounds selfish or not, but two become one. Yes. And it's fun to know that right now I'm in this room talking with you all. Mm -hmm. And right now there's a, a beautiful woman who's being the best third grade teacher in Peoria, Illinois. I love that. And it's happening at the same time. But later we're having dinner together. Yes. And that's like the coolest yes. thing to think about. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. And so I think some of my favorite parts of marriage are just the thoughts you have when you're not with your spouse mm. is, oh, I get to see him later. Mm. Or we're going to do this next week. Or there's some really fun things like moving yes. <laughs> that that we get to do again um, <laughs> here in our ministry. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Okay. How do you um, – so in ministry – And this could not just, this is for anybody that has a a job, really. You are an adult. So how are you managing marriage and the demand, if you will, of ministry or a job? How are you you still prioritizing marriage? I know that I'm not at my best when I'm not at best with my spouse. Whether you are in ministry my wife's a teacher or whether you work in healthcare or whether you find yourself just raising a couple of kids at the house. Mm -hmm. You're not at your best when your marriage isn't at its best. That's right. And so part of the prioritization comes from, we've got to do this just because we know that it's going to get ugly if we don't. (laughs) So, we're going to go out to eat or we're going to go do whatever. Every relationship's different, but we're going to do the things that fill our cups. We're going to do the things that give us life. Mm -hmm. And so um, another thing, and it's quite liberating to say this, and I don't know if it makes me unique as a pastor. I've said no to a lot of things. Good for you. And I view it as, I'm showing an example to the people that God has given me to shepherd what it looks like to choose a spouse over fill in the blank. Good job. So good. And that's what you've got to do. You have to. There has got to be no's that are said mm-hmm. in order for a marriage to keep on going. Absolutely. My husband and I have been married 19 years and we do a lot of marriage counseling. And the thing that we have started saying the most to couples, there's obviously varying degrees of marriage crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that it seems to be across the board is say no to everything else and say yes to your marriage. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, nothing else will be as, as valuable or as successful as it can be, whether it be a ministry, your job, raising your children, your legacy, mm-hmm. nothing else. That's absolutely right. And it is so sad to see how marriage has become the back burner. Not just the back burner, but like the worming zone mm-hmm. on your stove. Mm-hmm. And if if that is where you prioritize your marriage, everything else will not be as successful as it could be. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it is exciting to see young marriages that recognize that mm-hmm. four years in. And if you can maintain that rhythm and maintain that mentality, man, God is going to skyrocket what he's able to do in and through you. And it may not be the world's 
view of success, but it will be God's view of success. Yeah. My my wife and I find ourselves in a very interesting age bracket where right now people our age have grandparents that have been married for 60 years and half of us have parents that are divorced. Yeah. That is the reality. Yeah. And I think exactly what you're saying is, I think people who are choosing to get married right now for the first time Mm -hmm. in their early to mid 20s, I think just the fact that they're saying yes to marriage proposals, Mm -hmm. and I think just the very fact that wedding ceremonies are happening, what I hope Mm -hmm. is that a decision has already been made, Mm -hmm. knowing that there is an option outside of marriage. I think there was a time in this country Mm -hmm. where... You're an adult, get married. Right. That's a pretty toxic way of looking at life. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, surely God can do things for us and with us outside of Without a marriage. A spouse, correct. Um, I'm hoping right now, and I, I, I would put my wife and I in that category, mm-hmm. that just the fact that this marriage has even happened mm-hmm. means that you have seen your grandparent that's they've been married for 60 years and odds are there's a divorce somewhere between the two families yeah and assuming that you don't want that for yourself mm-hmm. the only way to not get divorced is to not get married mm-hmm. and so if you're going to get married mm-hmm. be all in from day one that's so yeah. good so that's that's, that's where we find ourselves yeah. those are very real conversations that that's good we had before we even got engaged. You just have to. You have to. And so, um, yeah. So good. I love it. So what do you do in the midst of ministry? And we are both in full-time ministry, so we know the demands. What do you do to refresh? Yes. I am still learning on what it looks like to protect a day off. Mm. And so when I do have those days off... (laughs) I refresh with a book or a documentary or watching, we talked earlier about sports and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not much of a hobbyist. So for me, and I could be missing something here, something that could be really healthy, but um, if I'm going to do something to refresh, I also need to unplug. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to plug in mm-hmm. to a word working project. I don't have the skills, so that's why I don't do that anyways. But um, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Another so, thing. Yeah. yeah, I I wanna yeah I want a front porch to sit on. Yeah. I yeah. want uh, a coffee shop, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, agreed. What are you the most excited about coming up this year? Hmm. Well, moving <laughs> yes. for the. Fourth time. This will be the fourth home we have wow. lived in in four years of marriage. Wow. But what we're so excited about is that this is going to be where we raise our family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the fourth move, but it's the last move in a while. Yeah. And I think there's going to be weight that falls off of us that we don't even know exists. Yeah. Once that actually yeah, happens. Yeah, settling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Um, I think that's what we're most looking forward to mm, as, as the rest of this year unfolds. That's good. Well, welcome to Peoria. Thank you. Yeah. We're so glad you're in our city. I, this is 
what I needed and I didn't know I needed it. And as fellow church planners, we are cheering you on wildly. Yes. Thank you. We are for you. You, If you need anything, our doors are open to you. Thank you. We both have awesome husbands who would also cheer you on. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're for you. This is a great city to be pursuing Jesus's command to build the church. Yes. It's a great city. Yes. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. Absolutely. Heather, that was a fun conversation. He's great. Isn't he awesome? Yep. He's such a good dad. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? He didn't didn't talk about his kids. No, it was just such a funny thing. It was actually really fun to get to be a seven-year-old in a poverty simulation. And have these... Man, I felt Did you like, act like a seven-year-old? Because I remember you as I did. a seven-year-old. Well, they told us at the beginning, they're like, you need to truly be in character. Like, don't, if you're 36, don't act like you're 36. Like, act like you're seven if you're supposed to be seven. I remember you as a seven-year-old. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were fun. You're, yeah, good. I'm glad. All right. Well, thanks for joining this episode of the H&H Hour. I'm sure that something Seth said to you has settled on your spirit and given you a little bit of motivation that you probably needed today. So whatever he said, do something with it. Don't just let it sit. Do something with it. You know what I do when I listen to podcasts? You not every, not when I'm driving. Well, yes, I do share yeah. a lot of podcasts actually. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone needs to do that. I agree. But I, if I'm home, I write things down. I do too. So I'll take notes on my phone on, you know, Evernote or on a a notebook or something. And then I'll go back to it and be like, yeah. Oh, cause I'm not great at retaining things mm. like movie lines and things like yeah. that. But if I write it down, I can always go back to it. And it, it helps me meditate on it and think on it instead of just, you know, I don't really want information to just come in and go out right? for the sake of filling my head. I feel like my head is already, already too full <laughs> of stuff. But if you write something down, you can think on it and let the Lord use it to just get down into the to roots of your you. soul. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. I like that advice. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, as always, Heather and I say this a lot, but we really, really value it. Reach out to us if you need prayer, and we really will pray for you. Um, you can email us at the hour at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram. And as always, we're glad you tuned in, and we'll chat with you next time.